This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. This is the Golden Eagles podcast, hosted by Manly media manager Wayne Cousins, along with Sea Eagles Premiership winner and chairman of the Golden Eagles Association, Mark Bryant. Each week, Cuzzo and Boxy will be joined by a different Sea Eagles legend to relive some great moments from our proud history and to find out what each of the guys are up to now. The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the mighty Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Now over to Cuzzo and Boxy with this week's special guest. Well, we're back, Boxy, for another episode. Good to see you, mate. How are you? Really well, thanks, mate. Really well. Well, that's good to hear. Good to hear. Well, today, mate, we're talking to Sea Eagle number 409, a Manly junior, exciting young fullback, handy goal kicker. These days, doing a great job in the fitness industry. That's the one, the only, Shannon Evan, and he's joined us. Hello, Shannon. G'day, boys. How are you going? Yeah, good yourself? Yeah, good. Good to be here. Mate, good to have you. And, uh, mate, we're going to talk about your uh, career now. Uh, we're going to go back Manly Juniors. Tell us about the days of Manly Juniors and what's the earliest memory Shannon Nevin had of playing rugby league? Oh, look, the earliest memory, I, I moved to Manly when I was seven years old. Uh, so we moved from the bush where mum and dad had a stud farm out in the bush um, and a pub and the drought back in 82, 83 sort of lost them all their cash. So they moved back to the city and moved to Manly. So I went to St. Mary's at Manly and started at Christian Brothers. Christian, so Christian Brothers was my junior club. So yeah, my first my first memory is um, you know playing for Brothers down at District Park back then. And my first real memory at Brookie Oval was sliding down the hill on a bit of cardboard. You know, as a little tacker. <laughs> some some of the greatest. I remember doing it at Ma- the old Marathon Stadium because I was up at Newcastle before we went out to Cootamundra. And my old man and his mates are watching the footy. My older brother and I, we were just sliding down the back. It was it was the greatest. It was, it was one of the best uh, best days out going and doing that. I'm just picturing little Shannon Evans sliding down a cardboard cully up. At Brookie, and then picturing Big Mark Bryan, <laughs> I was I was sliding down the hill at Newcastle. I was definitely I I big boned. Who, yeah, I think yep. I know. I think I know who won't reach the bottom faster. <laughs> Top <laughs> well, heavy. Okay, well, uh, Shannon, uh, you played sixty first grade games in your career for Manly and the Balmain Tigers, but Manly came around. 1995 to 1997, 29 games. Tell us about the time you got told you'd been graded with the Manly Ringer Seagulls. Yeah, look, it was always a dream to to play for Manly as I, I I was playing for Christian Brothers, you know, my whole junior career. And, uh, you know, I was just lucky to be a fast runner in the early days. You know, I was one of those kids that give the ball to him and he'll run around away from everyone. So I was I was blessed with speed, you know, so that's what sort of gave me the, that was the skill that I had early on in my career. Coming through the ranks, so I, I went to um, St. Joseph's College, Hunters Hill for a couple of years. So I played rugby union there for year seven, eight, and nine. And I couldn't play rugby league during those three years, which was a bit of a bummer. Um, came back to St. Paul's College at Manly, which back then was sort of a bit of a feeder school for, for the Seagulls. And then went to SG Ball. So I didn't play any uh, junior clubs as a teenager. I just went straight to SG Ball and under-17s. And then played the under-17s and, and Jersey Flag. And then um, from Jersey Flag, I, I got graded into, you know, went, went straight into reserve grade in, in 95. So 95 was my first first year of grade. And look, as we all know, back mid-90s team, you know, the Pepsi days, it was, I was just blessed to be in a, in a great club mm. with some great players. And, and I just, I got to pinch myself. When I, when I look at some of those teams that I was in, you know, the players that I was surrounded by was just like, you know, all representative players and all great blokes and a great time to, to be a part of Manly. Yeah, well, we're going to uh, certainly talk about some of those great teams. From that young kid who was sliding down the hill on the cardboard cut out there, or cardboard cut out, I keep saying that because of the fans <laughs> in the stand, but the cardboard sliding down the hill at uh, Brookvale Oval, now Lotto of course, 
to getting the SG ball jersey, when the first time you get a manly kit gear, you're playing SG ball, it doesn't matter how old you are, what was that feeling like to finally get your own Manly Seagulls jersey to wear as a player? Oh, it was a buzz. It was a real buzz because, you know, as I came up through the ranks as a junior player, you know, I obviously was at a decent level where I was, you know, um, standing out in my age group. And then when I got the chance to play um, SG Ball, it was, um, you know, it's one step closer to the big time, you know, one step closer to being a first grader. And, you know, back then I can remember, you know, when you get given your bag and your tracksuit, you know, and you, it's, the best it's, time. it's the best time, you know, like <laughs> everyone's putting on their jackets and, you know, and then... Uh, Going you know, to the nightclub wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that was older. <laughs> that, that was when you got a bit older. Yeah. <laughs> no, you'd walk down the we'll mall. We'll get to them later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you walk down Ring of Mall with your jersey, your jacket on, or yeah. you know, like it was a big thrill. It was a yeah, big yeah. thrill to be a um, you know, a, a young representative at any any sport. But yeah. you know, rugby league was my sport, so you know, it was it was good times back then when you first got to grade. Yeah. Well, you touched on the uh, some of the exciting plays that you had around you, and obviously as a young fullback at the time. Uh, unfortunately, when we say unfortunately, but what a great player he was, and obviously a bit of a mentor as well. I imagine the great Matthew Reach comes to Manly. Yeah. Right. Uh, unfortunately for you, it's probably not a great thing at the time. Yeah. But Matthew Reach is the uh, first grade fullback. What did you learn from this dual international? And obviously, A, you want to get into the team, but at the same time, too, you're learning from him? Yep. Yeah. Look, what did I learned from him, interesting question. Um, <laughs> the most I learned from him was just me watching him. He wasn't the type of bloke to ever really give me any advice at all. And look, not that I was a threat to his position, let's be honest. He was he was a great player. He was an international. I was just this young bloke sort of coming up the ranks. But um, it never at any stage did I really think that I was a threat to him. But he was one of those guys that sort of just kept to himself. And, 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 you know, I was always blessed with all the other players in the team that would, when I first came to grade, they'd all come and give me advice and, you know, shake my hand and well done. And after every game that I might play five or 10 minutes off the bench, they'd come and congratulate me. I always wanted to get some goal kicking coaching off him. And Bozo said to me one day, he said, oh, you know, I've, I've organized Richie to do a goal kicking lesson. I was like, oh, you beauty, you know, because I just looked up to this guy. So I rocked up to the ground one day, you know, for a four o'clock session. And anyway, I was out in the field doing a few warm ups and then, then Richie came came to the field and he had his, you know, RM Williams boots on and his tight jeans and had a bit of a collared shirt. And he walked out onto the field and, and he goes, Shannon, come over here. And I went, yeah, hey, Richie. And I had my boots and kit on. He walked over in front of the post and he asked for a ball. So I passed him the ball and he sort of just put his, you know, heel into the ground, didn't even use sand and put the ball on, on the grass. And he, he walked back with his boots and jeans on and he, he walked up and kicked it over and he said, just follow through. You just got to follow through. I went, oh, good. Thanks, Reggie. <laughs> like my mum's been telling me that to follow through since <laughs> I was five. And then he said, mate, good luck with that. <laughs> and he walked on and I was like, oh, that was, that was great. <laughs> like, so that's really the only sort of advice I ever got from Reggie. Fair enough. And here you are dressed in your full training kit and he comes yeah, down to the yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, look, he was busy and. You know, he might have had a photo shoot or something. But, yeah. <laughs> Aaron Williams shoot. All right. Well, uh, Bob Fulton obviously gave you your uh, first grade debut. Now, it was against uh, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the Sydney Football Stadium, opening round of the ARL season in 1995. Do you remember it? Yeah, look, I remember it. Um, I remember what I think I can Like, it's my, I must admit, my memory, like, I'm 43, and, and I got I got knocked out quite mm. a bit in my career. Like, um, so many game replays that I watch, I've seen me get knocked out in them. And I can remember other instances in the juniors that I used to get knocked out quite a bit, never wore head or anything, but I reckon my memory is actually not that good, you know? Um, And for 43, I know I'm getting to that age, but so many games that I watch, I see something happen in it and I just think, surely, you know, and like I didn't score many tries in first grade and, you know, and and didn't play that many games. I watched a replay of a Manly West game at Brookie that I scored a try off a scrum play and I went straight through, scored untouched. I couldn't remember it. Like before I watched that video, I, I couldn't remember that try. Mm. And I'd only scored, I think, six or seven tries. Like, and I just think, 
oh, that's not very good. <laughs> you know? well, it's a worry, and I suppose that's why they've got the you know the current rules yeah. in in place because mm. you only get one brain, um, mm. and you yeah. have to look after it. And some of the hits that you take on the footy field, yeah, you know, people don't realise. You know, they look hard on TV, and they are bloody hard yeah. out there. You know, so. Yeah. And, I, and I wasn't a big guy. Like I wasn't a big guy and it wasn't like I was running straight back into the, you know, I was smart and tried to run away from all the defensive <laughs> line. But but often when you hit the deck or your head hit the deck and, you know, I just think I was a little bit more susceptible to others to then getting just a little bit of concussion. You know? What was your playing weight? Uh, 79 kilos at Manly. And I finished about six years later, close to 90. Like I had to train hard to try and put the muscle on over the years, but I was never a real a big guy. Mm. Well, your first points in uh, the rugby league competition in first grade, Against the Bears at Brookvale Oval, you kicked a goal. Yeah. Your first points. Yeah, yeah, first points. I'll never forget that. You know, like I can I can remember that feeling of, you know, because being a goal kicker, I was never really a goal kicker as a junior. Just, I think in one of the one, one of the teams, the goal kicker was out and I said, oh, I'll have a go of it. Could kick okay. So I was never, you know, a, a goal kicker my whole life. But the pressure of goal kicking, I, I never really felt the pressure. It was always, you know, I thought if no one else is going to step up, I'll have a go. <laughs> okay. Now we, we've gone, that was your first points, but your first try. Manly's 44 to 6 demolition of the South Sydney Rabbitohs at the start of the 1996 season. Tell us about your first try, if you, if you remember it, and yeah. we said that with great respect. Yeah, I supported Beaver up the inside. I think oh. Beaver made a break outside Cliffy, going down the right hand side of the field, and then I supported up the centre, and he just drew the fullback for me to stroll over under the post. When you say those two names, obviously they're just famous rugby league names for the Manly Seagulls. Mm. What's it like as a young kid? To play alongside what now is at the great Steve Menzies and obviously a legend in Cliffy Lines. Oh, mate, like honestly, when we were when I was playing reserve grade, we used to do a lot of ball work against first grade. So back then, you know, of course, all the grades played together, trained together. But we used to do ball work against first grade. And I'll never forget a couple of times I was I was playing at 5'8 in reserve grade. The talk was don't fall for Cliffy's dummy. We're just playing two-hand grab. And I'll never forget the first time that I fell for it he's got this illusion. It's not just the dummy pump. It's like he makes the ball look like it's left his hands. And even though you're going, don't fall for his dummy, don't fall for his dummy, he comes up to the line and you're going, don't fall for it, don't fall. And then all of a sudden you see yourself looking outside him and all of a sudden then you look back and he's he's just gone past. It's <laughs> like he's the most gifted, the most gifted natural talent that I've seen in rugby league, either watched or played with. He was just, you know, and he wasn't he wasn't a freak on the training paddock. He, you know, he trained, and he, but he wasn't this genetically fast or agile or but but just just gifted. Even playing in those, Shannon and I played in the Legends of League game up at um, up at the Central Coast yeah, a couple of years ago now, and, and Cliffy played in that, and and just the skills that he still had, he absolutely blitzed them, and had young guys that had just retired from first grade, you know, looking for the next, you know, for five minutes for the dummy that he just threw. So it was um, it was pretty pretty awesome, and you can see how. And even when you hear Beaver talk about him as well and how he ran off, he just he just had so much time with the ball. And but yeah, definitely a, a, a freak of nature, Cliffy. Mm. Well, when uh, Matthew Reach decides to, he decided to leave obviously the Seagulls and he joined the Super League War and uh, went to the Auckland Warriors. And I suppose back then, Shane, you're thinking now's my opportunity to cement myself a position in this uh, mainly first grade team. And then a young halfback, goal kicking halfback named Craig Field turns up. Yeah, look, it's um, it was it was a funny one because like in I was always. Ridge's understudy. So in 95, I, you know, played a, a handful of games off the bench. Got to sit on the bench for the 95 grand final, which was which was great. So I got to be part of that team. And, you know, they lost, obviously, in the 95 grand final. During 96, you know, when, when Ridge left, um, and, you know, looking back, I don't know why they, they, they stopped using me. They started using Craig Hancock at fullback. And Hank was saying to me, he used to say to me, why are they using me at fullback? I'm not a bloody... He didn't actually like playing fullback. An interesting story, I... I then didn't play for the rest of the 96 season. I didn't play first grade, which I was a bit funny about because they'd, all, they'd always blooded me to be sort of Ridge's replacement. 
And it's not like anyone ever said to me, oh, I know you need to do this to your game or we want you to change your game to, to be better. So they didn't use me. And then I was on the, I was watching the Swans on the, on the Saturday night, having a few beers. So I hadn't trained with the first grade squad for the 96 final series. So reserve grade didn't make the semi. So I was on the drink with all my mates watching the Swans play. And, the, and a phone call comes to my mate's house and his mum answers the phone. And they said, Shannon, it's Frank Stanton. And I said, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> and she goes, it's Frank Stanton. So I pick up the phone. I said, hello. And he goes, Shannon, it's Frank. I said, piss off. Who is it? <laughs> he goes, Shannon, it's Frank. He goes, Jack Ellsgood's got the flu. We need you to come to the, come to the game tomorrow. I was like, yeah, okay, Frank, what time? He said, beat the, beat the Leagues Club, beat the Leagues Club at, you know, 11 o'clock. So I'm thinking, okay, I better get home and get some rest. So I went home, I went home and went straight to bed and then went to the grand final in 96, which I felt like I was part, I played the first half of the year in first grade, but then got dropped and never played again. So then went to the game and they obviously won. And so I got to do the lap of honour and I felt like I was part of the team. So doing the lap of honour and the fans obviously knew me. So, and the players obviously knew me um, and were happy for me to be there. So that was some of the, my grand final jersey that year was just, a, it doesn't have the actual, um, the grand final badge on it yes. because they just had to give me like a makeshift one. Um, so that was a funny story for 96. So I played the first half of the year, but then just got brushed for the second half. Well, you, you talked about some of those great plays and back in those days, everyone, the 90s, everyone thinks of the Pepsi jersey, don't they? And, and how good it looked, but. Like we said, Denny Moore, Craig Innes, you know, Hopawati, Nick Kosef, like what a ball play. We've spoken okay. about him before. You know, David Gillespie, Jim Sedaris, Spud, like like they're just some great names of Manly. Oh. What was it like with Spud? Like he's a real character. <laughs> Spud's as we know. a character because you know, when I first came to Gray, a uh, first grade, I'm this young guy who gets to tell everyone else what to do. Get your ass into gear, stop <laughs> being like you know, and for, for me to look up at these guys, I'm like, these are all legends. They're all state of origin Australian representatives, and I'm this local young local junior who's a nobody, but I get to tell him what to do. <laughs> so I can remember when I first came to first grade, I don't know if it was the first couple of games, Spud came to me in the dressing sheds and he and you know, he's like well, before games, he's slapping himself and he's been sick in the toilet and he's getting aggro and he said, You come up to me, Shannon, you tell me where to go if I'm dragging my ass, blah blah blah. So I lost and I'm like, oh, okay. So I'll never forget the first time. It was more of a fun thing on the field. You know, he'd sort of, he'd done about five hit-ups in, in three or four sets of six and was buggered. And I went up to him and said, you stop drinking. You know, I gave it to him. And then after the game, after the game, he goes, you gave it to me out there, did I said, you told me to. <laughs> it was he's, not, he's not going to build him when, no, he's, when he's knackered. Oh, exactly. You know, so, but half, yeah. Half the reason you didn't answer yeah. back to a, to, to a fullback when they were telling you what to do is you couldn't breathe. You were absolutely stuffed. Things were different on the team bus on the way home, though. I reckon you got a hold of him. So, mate, obviously the 96, the joy of 96, and you're part of all that. And I imagine you're walking down, well, back in those days, you wouldn't be walking down Ringamore. You would have had the uh, gear on in the nightclubs back in those days. <laughs> but, but we go from the joys of 96 to the disappointment of obviously the 97 grand final it's your last game for Manly it's not the great way for you to finish in obviously the year before but we look back on it and Manly fans hate to watch it Manly fans hate to talk about it and as a player you probably hate to talk about it as well but that grand final that moment at the end take us through the your memories of that grand final oh, yeah. Newcastle it, it was um look it was a bit of a blur because it's when I watched the replay eight years after I played it, I hadn't watched the game for eight years. And the first tackle that I actually get tackled, it might be after six minutes of the game, I get concussed. So when I actually watched the game, most of that game, it sort of came, was coming back to me, but most of it was mm. a bit new to me. But yeah, look, now I've, I've watched it a few times. My kids have watched it a few times with me. They like watching it. And it's the most replayed bloody grand final. I get that many text messages going, Nevin, you're on. You, oh. you know, it's like, do I have to watch it again? <laughs> I, it's like, I know I am. I'm not watching. I know. It's like, Go away. But like, you know, to, to take myself back there. Um, yeah, look, it was heartbreaking. Look, we beat them. 
we beat them every three times that year. And, and look, in that game, we didn't score a point in the second half. Mm-hmm. You know, we're up 16-8 at half time. Um, you know, I missed a goal in the second half, a penalty goal. Um, it was pretty even, that game. And look, all credit to them. They they beat us on the day, you know. And, and, and Johnsy going the blind side on that last play and in, into Albert. You know, I can remember. There's a great photo that my brother got for me. It's... Um, I don't, he got, must have got it for one of the newspapers and he printed it up on a on a print for me. It's a photo of the whole Newcastle team jumping up together and then I'm sitting on the ground in the foreground but in focus. So we're all in focus. And he just he titled it The Agony and the Ecstasy because I've just realised I've lost the grand final mm. and I'm sitting there with my head down and the whole team's behind me jumping up, realising they've got it. So, yeah, look, it was, um, you know, it was just one of those things. And, look, I, I look back and think, look, I was lucky enough to play one. You know, would have been great to win one. I did a lap of honour with one, but didn't play. You know, so then I sat on the bench the year before when they lost. So I've sort of experienced a lot in those three years. Look, in hindsight, it was just, uh, they were just too good on the day. Mm. And like you said, it's replayed a lot. But if it wasn't for that great injury, John's Darren Albert uh, pass combination, they probably don't show you that grand final uh, highlight as much. If it was just a, a normal finish, you wouldn't see it. So yeah. look, it was good for rugby league, as everybody says. Yeah. It's good for rugby league. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it still hurts, though, doesn't it? It's All still right, painful. well, look, uh, we've just heard the halftime siren here, Shannon. So we're going to uh, uh, get Boxy some orange oranges. You know, <laughs> he used to love his oranges as a junior kid. We'll take a break here from our sponsors. We'll be back very shortly with the great Shannon Nevin. The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Wormald is a leading provider of fire protection solutions, helping to protect Australian people and property for over 130 years. Wormald's expertise spans the design, manufacture, installation and service of fire safety products and equipment, backed up with a comprehensive range of fire services, from engineering advice to fire safety training. You can rely on Wormald to help protect you. Visit wormald.com.au. And welcome back to our Golden Eagles podcast chat with Shannon Nevin. Boxy's back. He found the oranges and probably something a little bit stronger, Boxy. A little bit of grey goose to go with it. Grey goose. Always goes well. Well, uh, look, we move right on now and we're just going to finish up with Shannon's uh, great career, obviously, with the Seagulls. And uh, Shannon, like you said, you played 29 games, including one grand final. You scored six tries, kicked 52 goals, 128 points. So no one can ever take those achievements away. When you look back on your time with the Seagulls, and obviously you're still involved today with Boxy and and the Golden Eagles, what's the best memories the best memories are training i love i love just turning up to training and just the the banter and back then it was all the grades were together you know so it's just the the amount of stories and fun times and that's what i really miss and that's why i love going to the golden eagles games to be honest just reliving all those moments with all the players and you know all the old players and the younger ones and all the different grades you know so the, so the training sessions were great obviously um playing the grand final was a highlight in my actual playing career I was lucky enough to captain the junior kangaroos as well. So we played a couple of tests against the, the junior Kiwis, which was a, a big thrill. I was captain of that team. So to go to New Zealand and and and, and sort of be a leader as a captain was was a, a good milestone for me. And my dad being such an inspirational person in my career, being a uh, my mentor and, and a motivational speaker himself and a real leader in business, um, you know, for him to have the opportunity to see me get selected as a captain in, in a junior national side was, was pretty a proud moment for me. I imagine it would be. Now, uh, you talk on about some of the uh, the great characters. Uh, you look at the, the Golden Eagles, and obviously you love being involved in that, and you see former players, administrators, to uh, the office staff, to... The strappers, the, strappers, the trainers. The trainers. So I'm going to throw a couple of names to you. You'll you probably laugh straight away. 
Alex Ross, the great Rossi. Yeah. Yeah. You got anything from him with Rossi? Oh, no, no, he, he sort of. <laughs> I'm he, still working with him today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was sort of more more at the end of my, you know, he was at more at the end. I don't really have too much on. Not that I can say on on. Uh, on I can give you plenty on him, though. Don't worry. <laughs> what about uh, the man who leads our victory song, the great uh, Wok Warrior? Ah, uh, Wok. You know, like he. What what a legend he is. I can remember him from my early days in you know playing SG ball. You know, in the juniors, and he was the type would go to every junior games, every grade game, anywhere he could. You know, when it came to, you know, wearing the maroon and white, he was there and he always had time for you, you know, like he was yeah. one of those guys that, you know, cause a lot of people get busy and they, you know, they know so many people, but you don't feel the respect from them, but you always felt he was respect. You know, he always gave you the time. Yeah. You know? yeah. Great man. Great, yeah. man. Great, Great man. man to walk. And 50 years involved this year with the, uh, with the Seagulls, which is a wonderful achievement and honor for Wok. Now, uh, after you leave, uh. The Seagulls, uh, you head to the Balmain Tigers in 1998 for a bit of opportunity. You uh, played fullback, kicked 51 goals, and you kicked your first ever field goal. Yeah, first ever field goal yeah, against um, Cronulla at Caltex Park back then. Um, it's had a few names over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In hindsight, I look back and it was, I'm not really happy with what happened at the Tigers. Um, I never really wanted to leave Manly. Um, my, heart, my heart was always with Manly and I sort of got, I forced to leave. They didn't offer me a contract at the end of 98 and at the end of 97. And it was one of those times where I felt uncomfortable because the club at the time made out that I was asking for too much money. I would have stayed at Manly for nothing. And let's be honest, I was on $40,000 when I was at Manly for the three years I was there. So I was on no money because I was surrounded by so many good, you know, and such a good team that, you know, and, but it wasn't about that for me. I was just loving being there. So when I actually left, they just said, well, you know, we don't have the money for you. I'm like, well, if they, if they wanted me, they would have signed me. Mm. So I only went to the Tigers because it was the best offer of the clubs that were then chasing me. And look, in hindsight, I didn't really play well at the Tigers and, and there's a few things that, that I can't really talk about that, that happened at the Tigers, but, um, but my actual playing, there's no excuses, um, but it just shows unless, unless you're really happy with where you are and why you're there, you, you don't get the best out of a player. And I don't think they, they didn't see the best out of me. And no, Fair enough. How hard was it then emotionally and mentally for you when you had to play the Seagulls for the first time? Yeah, look, it was. And because I was like the, the Tigers' big signing and I was really still a nobody, like I wasn't there. I was never like an exceptional superstar and, you know, I was sort of their nobody. So to come back and play at Manly was, it was tough. When you say that, I'm picturing you at standing in the middle of Leichhardt Oval the coach comes over and says, Shannon, you're going to do a kicking lesson with a young bloke today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You come out in your RFW boots. <laughs> I tell you what, I've never done that. I always do my utmost to give any bit of advice to help any young fella, you know, like, because I learnt from blokes like that, you know, I've, you know, and then I'll tell you another, another person, Ian Roberts, that was playing yeah. at Manly when I was there, he used to always be the last to leave the dressing shed signing autographs yeah. while other players, you know, would be walking back to their car and they'd sign them as they go, but then they'd get in the car and then leave kids that didn't get one. But I, but Ian Roberts used to always be there until everyone had got one. And I can remember when I first signed my first autograph, there's no bigger thrill than signing an autograph. Yeah. So I would have stayed out till bloody midnight. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but I learned yeah. that respect and, you know, same with, with ever giving advice to young players, I, I've always tried to give advice and, and teach them something that I learned. That's a great thrill to try and help somebody else. As a uh, fullback, uh, you would hear many great sledges. Now, that's either on the field or maybe uh, from the crowd as well. Have you got any great sledges or oh, people who were... Yeah, who, look, <laughs> Terry, Terry Hill and Hopawadi, <laughs> to listen to them on an edge, just give it to their opposition. I can't repeat the stuff that they would say. <laughs> but honestly, like those two... You wouldn't want to be playing against them and be 
you know, one to be turned off by having someone in your ear because Terry Hill, he'd drown you with his saliva. But, oh. but, but, but And you couldn't shut him up You either. couldn't shut him up, no, no. Because I played with him in 2005 when I first got here and Hop was in that team as well. But Tez, <laughs> he just goes, you watch this, boys, I'm going to show you how to sledge. <laughs> and we just, yeah, and as a young bloke, you just sit there going, oh, oh wow. And it was, it was impressive. Some of the things that came out of his mouth, you know, it it just make you blush. But yeah. Anyway. Well, speaking of impressive, I'm going to say the name Solomon Hamano. Big Sol. Now, yeah. back in those days, uh, obviously a uh, a fine young forward. Uh, obviously had a nice young lady in his life as well. The pleasure machine. The, the pleasure machine. Great name. Tell us about uh, Big Sol. Oh, I met I met Sol playing for the New South Wales Catholic Colleges when we were in year twelve, um, and and became friends with him. Then, look, what an athlete! You know, what an athlete! I can remember he he was the fastest. At one stage, he was the fastest over 40 meters when we did a time trial. Yeah. He was the fastest ever. I think I caught him in after preseason. No, no. <laughs> no but he, but he, he, was, he was quick and he could do anything. He could play basketball. He, and he was one of those guys that, you know, one time he made a break, I'll never forget, he, against um, Canberra down at, I think it was Bruce Stadium back then, in a trial match. And he made a break and Brett Mullins showed him the sideline to, to you know, as, as fast fullbacks often do, sort of, yeah, you go for it and then I'll take it. Nah, couldn't catch him from about 40 out. Everyone just went, gee, he's, he's quick, isn't he? Like he's, <laughs> what an athlete. And he's one of those guys who's so quietly spoken. You see a lot of rugby league, like it's, it's the toughest sport in the world and you've got to have that mongrel in you, you know, or you don't have to, but, but it's such an advantage if you've got that, that, mm. that, that mongrel in you. I think that's the thing that stopped him being the most devastating rugby league player mm. that there ever was. He had, the, he had more talent could hit better than anyone, more skill, but he just, he just lacked that bit of mongrel. You know? Gent, gentle, gentle, gentle giant, giant yeah. and would absolutely, could absolutely knock you into next week, yeah. um, both with his shoulder and with, and with the fist as we saw yeah. in his boxing career as well. But yeah, just, he just, you know, you, you'd ha you, you could slap him around the head a thousand times. He just wouldn't, he wouldn't, he would just wouldn't go there. Well, uh, wrapping up your career, Shannon, uh, 267 uh, points in your career, six tries. You kicked 121 goals, plus, of course, that famous field goal. You have a great career, mainly 1995 to 1997, the Balmain Tigers, 98 to 99. Once you retire, tell us about Shannon Nevin. We, we know these days you're still heavily involved in uh, the fitness industry, but tell us what you, you did immediately after you retired. Yeah, well, look, I, in my last year at Manly, because uh, I came back to Manly after I left the Tigers, I signed uh, like a reserve grade contract when it was the Northern Eagles, and they wanted me to train with the Northern Eagles squad but wouldn't pay me any money. And I said, well, I'm, I'm married. I've got a sick wife who's pregnant, and I can't do it for no money. So I started doing personal training. I did some landscape gardening. Um, and then I was trying to finish a degree in PE teaching. And I said to my wife at the time, I said, look, if I don't make first grade by the end of the year, I'll retire. I didn't make first grade at the end of the year. So then I hung the boots up. And then I thought I could go back to uni and study for another three years to get my degree. But I thought I need I need income. I need money. So I just thought I'll set up a gym. You know, so I, I set up, it was called Personal Results at the time at Seaforth. So that was in 2000. And then I had that gym for, for 15 years. And then I closed it and set up another gym called That Fitness Place in Seaforth. It's just a different style of gym. So it wasn't just personal training. It was an access in time facility that I now currently still have. So I've had a gym in Seaforth for 20 years. Look, it's been great for me. Um, I love helping people. I love mentoring people about their, you know, their, their physical health and their, and their mental health. And, and along with the, the gym now, I, I founded a, an event called Walk and Talk for Life that, that I, I set up five years ago as well. That's a, a mental health um, program to draw people together to support each other that I now take around Australia and set up in country towns. So I've been funded by a big charity um, called the Australian Horizons Foundation. So they basically fund me and my work to go to um, to country towns and set up Walk and Talk for Life. So so I'm busy now. So I've still got the gym and I'm, I'm there most days. Um, and then um, on weekends, whenever I have the opportunity, I, I go down to my manly, my DY walks, where I, they're the original walks that I mm. set up. 
So I go walk and talk with them. Um, and then when I find new locations in the country, I um, network with them and, and set, set them up with, um, with the people or organizations in those towns that want to set up walk and talk in their mm. town to help um, with, with mental health issues in that town. Right, that's fantastic. That's uh, wonderful initiatives, obviously, with the walk and talk and obviously your, your gym business. Actually, I know someone who goes on those uh, walk and talks and they just say, A, Shannon's a great person, very friendly, makes you welcome, but B, what it gives you in return, apart from exercise and fitness, is more important than anything else. And, mate, I think if you can do keep doing that, that's just wonderful and obviously gives you a lot of satisfaction as well. Now you mentioned your fitness place. It's obvious name, that fitness place... <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how that came about. Who brought up? Were you just tired of what's your name? Is your fitness place? How did it come about? Yeah, look, I was, I was with my sister. We were, we were, you know, my sister Sky, who was helping me sort of set the business up, and you know, we're, we're trying to come up with names. and And I can remember I wanted something a little bit catchy or something a bit different, you know. And then I can remember seeing a Thai restaurant called That Thai Restaurant, and then there's that that dodgy Indian, you know. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I'll have a gym that we could market it as in, you know, that fitness place. What fitness place? That one, you know. Like so, <laughs> so it just it just came up like that you know i just wanted to do something a little bit different it's got a bit of a bit of a ring to it all right now uh tell us about that fitness place and if our uh, manly listeners and members are uh, want to get down there uh tell us a bit about it yeah well look it's, a, it's an access anytime facility so you know we're open from five o'clock till 10 p.m um, so five in the morning till 10 p.m membership start at 20 bucks a week and you can you can get access to to train yourself in that gym and you know we've got all the cardio equipment and weight training equipment that you get at any of the big gyms but it's a just a smaller more intimate sort of um you know community style style gym so i'm in there doing my personal training i run group fitness classes as well as um one-on-one boot camps now outdoor boot camp um but yeah so we accommodate for everyone we've we train i train a lot of kids a lot of a lot of parents like sending their kids to to have somebody like me sort of mentor them through their fitness and health um but you know we've got 85 year old men and women that train in there um a good mix of people and you know I, i'm there as, as whatever service they need to sort of improve their fitness um physically or mentally so if you if you want to get involved you can find the website at um, www.thatfitnessplace.com.au um, or call us on 0411-043-967, the mobile anytime. There we go. He knows his mobile number well. Did you used to do that in the nightclubs as well, Boxy? Boxy yeah. had a card. <laughs> I'll text it to you now. It's an e-card. Walked around with his uh, Pepsi uh, uh, team jacket on. So there you go. All right. Uh, look, one last question. Of all your teammates back in the Pepsi Seagulls days, best fashion dresser and the worst taste in fashion? Oh, the worst taste in fashion probably would have been Hopper. Back in the day, you used to wear the overalls with one undone, you know, that, that sort of stuff. The best the best fashion, oh, you know, Ridgie. Ridgie, well, he was a trendsetter. You know, I'll never forget what he was wearing that goal-kicking coach day. You know, <laughs> you know he, he looked good that day. He looked good that day. You'll never forget that. That's a great story. Well, Shannon, look, mate, congratulations on your uh, your first great career, uh, what you achieved for uh, the Manly Seagulls. Uh, you're a wonderful person, mate. You're doing some incredible work uh, in the community, which uh, everyone at the Seagulls is proud of. Keep up the great work. Good luck with the, uh, that fitness place down there in Seaforth. And uh, who knows, I might have to get down to the <laughs> fitness get, place. Get Kazo down there yeah. and whip him into shape. <laughs> yeah, mate, yeah. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> be a good business, that's for sure. Shannon, Nevin, thanks for your time. And uh, it's been, been an absolute pleasure to have you in today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And, and uh, let's go the Seagulls for the rest of the season. Absolutely. This has been the Golden Eagles podcast, presented by Wormald and recorded in the studios of Manly Media partner ASCII Live Media. You can follow the Sea Eagles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For more episodes and other official Sea Eagles podcast channel shows, head to seaeagles.com.au forward slash podcast.
This has been an ASCII Live Media production for the Manly Warringah Seagulls official podcast channel. Thank <laughs> you.